Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he was meant to skyrocket to fame with his first film co-starring with Sally Field. Unfortunately, the director died before they completed the film. So yeah, there's that. Welcome, Matthew Broderick. A-OK. A-OK. Hi, everyone. My guest today is the film and theater star, Matthew Broderick. Matthew made his stage debut at age 17, acting with his father, James Broderick, in the Horton Foote play on Valentine's Day. His list of Broadway credits for which he has won countless awards, including two Tonys, is long, but some of the titles are Brighton Beach Memoirs, Biloxi Blues, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, The Producers, The Foreigner, and Sylvia. He has been in over 40 films, including Max Dugan Returns, War Games, Project X, Glory, The Freshman, The Lion King, Infinity, which he directed and I believe his mother wrote, The Cable Guy, You Can Count on Me, Marie and Bruce, Rules Don't Apply, and Look Away. He has had a remarkable career spanning four decades and is one of the most hilarious, thoughtful, and remarkable actors of our generation. Welcome, Matthew Broderick. Jeez, thanks. Welcome to you, Is, to your own show. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel so at home yeah, on my podcast. Well, anytime you want to come do it, just come. We always like love having you. We always love having you have me. Mm-hmm. So we're done. That was amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Was it was so great easy. to catch up. I loved every second of it. So it is no joke that you have been acting for a really long time. Do you like it? Um, <laughs> I I think I like it. Do you? What do you like about it? Well, I like it um, when it when it all is firing well, um, which doesn't happen all the time. But when the material and you and the people you're acting with, or uh, and the writer and the when everybody's, even if it can be there can be tension, but when it's all working in the proper way, like a like a fine Swiss watch uh, or whatever. Like the one you're wearing um, right now. Yeah, my Your fine fit Swiss Fitbit. Um, but when it's all, you know, when these few moments you have that go really well, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling, and I still still love it. 
That's amazing because you were really little. And I was thinking about there are not that many people who live in today's society in Mm -hmm. America who started a job at 17 and and now at your age are still doing it. So there was something about it that really has spoken to you for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really start. The 17 was a little thing I did with my father at uh, HB Studio and my professional career I was 19 big difference but Ooh, okay so let's start Sorry. again because that changes the premise of this entire conversation yeah. completely yeah so it's a, a lot of years and um I didn't mean it to be that long you know I started out thinking I'll try this for a while right. if this doesn't work I'll do something else or uh you know maybe I'll I'll be a doctor after this or whatever. Well, but, thank um, God that didn't that. happen. <laughs> yeah, for everyone. It is my understanding that the way in which your parents met is that, by the way, I didn't know your dad, but I had met your mom on many occasions over the years, and I just always found her to be one of the most compelling, interesting women yeah. in the room. But is this true, that she had been married once before, before she was married to your dad? Oh, my God, I hope you knew that, because that would be mortifying. <laughs> <laughs> I forget about it, but it's true. I, I, know I did know. Did. How what do if, you know that? I don't remember if she told me this or if really? I I knew this, but you tell me that she had gone to Reno to get a divorce and met Sanford Meisner, the great acting teacher who Uh was also there to get a divorce, and he invited her to come to the neighborhood playhouse to study. Yeah. And that is where she ended up meeting the magnificent James Broderick, your father. Yeah. The Reno part, I don't remember exactly. I think that is, I know she did marry a man named Jay Kaner. Where is he? I don't know what happened to him, but um. T- oh my God! There he is. <laughs> and he's Matthew. got a gun. Um, Jay Kaner. I don't know who he is. He um, but I that's I always remember that name. She said that she married him because he swore that he would be killed in the war. This was right during World War II, and he absolutely promised that he would be killed. So she said okay, sure, and I think yeah. she went and you know stayed on an army base and all that. But as you know, the fates. <laughs> Allow he didn't uh, he was not killed. He did not die. No, as promised. No, he. I'm glad he didn't. I hope he's had a wonderful life. That's all I know about him. I think it's interesting to think about that time because your mother grew up in New York. Yeah, right. She was an Upper East Side yes. girl. Yeah, a painter. Yeah, since she was uh, from the time I have paintings that she made when she was you know a child. She always loved painting. Her father was a big advertising man, Milton Bio. He really was like a big deal if you look him up online. But he had like uh, his business all went crazy at the end. He had a very dramatic life, which and uh, she had a very dramatic life as a result of that. And uh, her mom was dying throughout her childhood. It's very dramatic. It's, that end of my family is filled with drama. So when you say it went crazy at the end, like sort of the big highs and lows financially? Yeah, Yeah, his business kind of fell apart very fast because of a scandal of some kind and uh yeah it's very interesting he was like the he was i think he did famous ads that you know like bulova watch and pepsi i believe like i've heard of i've heard of both of those things things. yeah Yeah. well partly because my grandfather told you about them thank you milton That's incredible. Milton, yeah. You don't hear that name much anymore. No, Milton, Milty. When you were going through the names for your children, was Milton ever one of them? (laughs) No. Your kids have interesting names. Yeah. Like whenever you talk about your son, you say his full name. Yeah. Usually. And your daughters have beautiful names too. Where do all their names come from? 
Well, James is, I guess, named after my father. And the Wilkie? And the Wilkie is just because um, we liked the name Wilkie and uh, Wilkie Collins, who was a writer that my wife loves. And uh, she liked the name and the writer. He right. wrote The Moonstone and Woman in White. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, it's not a big reader. Yeah, me neither. Father of the uh, mystery, modern mystery novel or something. Wilkie they was. sometimes say, yeah. And so it was going to either be, we always wanted Wilkie in there. It was Wilkie James for a while. And then we're like, well, maybe James Wilkie. We had a little trouble with that. And then uh, Loretta and Tabitha are just names that we just picked. Now, were you a big Bewitched fan? Yeah. I would say that had something to do with yeah. it. Yeah. Aren't you happy I'm old enough to know... <laughs> The reference? The Tabitha, Bewitched. Yeah. What? What are your kids' names? How my many kids, kids do you have? My kids are We've Georgia. Lost We've lost touch. So let's catch up now. Georgia yeah. is 12 and Caleb is 9. Right. And they're hilarious and beautiful and great. talented and are going to do great things in the world. And <laughs> Dominic and I are just going to watch and go, thank wow. God. Thank God <laughs> if we do nothing else. Totally. You We're done. That all worked We're out. We're done. I'm just going to sit in this podcast booth and be like... <laughs> Bring me gold bars, That's Georgia. Great. Yeah, I like being a parent. How have you liked being a parent? It's good. I like it. You know, it's everything. It's uh, it's got all the good and bad. And well, bad is the wrong word, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah, in every family, there's sort of like the good cop, bad cop. Right. I'm definitely good cop. You I'm, are. Oh yes, I well, love that. The dad is supposed to be the good cop. No, in our case, Dominic is so disciplined oh, and so great. clear about like morality and right and wrong oh, and no. do your homework. He's fantastic. Like oh, everyone that's great. should be married to someone like that. Yeah. It makes them confident to know that someone has like, yeah, I, a I handle think I'm on married things. To someone like that. Yes. But so I, we both married those people because yeah. we have none of that. And I want to be liked. Me too. That was the goal. I did a play, very weird play once, where the character I played, he's, his wife, he's, he's had a kind of nervous breakdown, and he's just telling the truth, basically. And his wife says, did you say these things about me at work? And he had said something. And he said, yeah, I said it. I, I didn't mean it. But I'll say anything to make the person I'm in the room with like me. I don't, all bets are off. Right. I want to be liked. You're very well liked. You're well, a very uh, well-liked actor. Well, that's nice your of you to pers- say that. Your public persona yeah. and the person that you present <laughs> to the world. Would you say that's true? Is I, that an authentic uh, Matthew? I don't know. I, you know, how people see me outside is always confusing to me, you know, strangers. I mean, I know how my friends feel about me, I mm. think. Probably well, I don't really. I have a few comments here that I can yeah. share because some people <laughs> wrote in. Um. I think they think I'm nice, and I, I, try, I do try to be nice, mostly. Nice? What is nice? I don't know. I try I'm asking to be you. I, I, reasonable I with people. I put it all on my guest. Listen, it is an odd thing. You I had been public for a long time. Yeah. You did a movie, I guess, even before. Max Dugan was a huge hit. Your first film yeah. put you out there very quickly at a very young age. Yeah. And it must be remarkable that Ferris Bueller, it's the anniversary. Yes. And that film feels brand new. I mean, everyone discovers it. Every generation I know. discovers it. It's amazing to me. It's great. It's held up magnificently. The other day, a guy said to me, Bueller, Bueller. And I said, <laughs> before I caught myself, oh, that's hilarious. And he said, oh, I guess you might have heard that before. Never. <laughs> Never. I said, What's your name, sir? A little bit. And he said, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I said, that's all right. He said, I really like you, though. So thank you. See, right. my point, you are liked. Not always. 
Do you still act? No. I do. No one Every asks now and that. then I get that, yeah. That must hurt your feelings yeah, a little I like, bit. I don't like that one. No, that's not a good one. Did you audition for that movie, or did they just? Well, how did you get that movie? That was a great job to get. Just sent it to me. I was doing uh, the play of Biloxi Blues, and you know, War Games had come out. I just was sent it, and I didn't. And I'm still a little like this. I was like, John Hughes. Which one is John Hughes? Right, idiot. Right, which one? (laughs) You know, what sixteen candles again? Oh, all right. And I rented 16 Candles and Breakfast Club and watched them. And I was like, oh, well, look at that. And then I read the script. And I thought, oh, this is kind of great. And I thought, at that time, every play I did, I seemed to talk to the audience. And even this movies, I would somehow they would say, talk to the audience. And then the, the script came. I was like, am I going to be somebody who just always, who am I, Bob Hope? So I had a little moment of, is this a good idea? An existential idea? crisis yeah. about it. And then, but then my agent at the time I remember Flute, and he was like, I'll be right there. <laughs> when he heard like, me hesitate, he was like, he, took his, uh, he somehow transported. Yeah, it's like he suddenly was standing behind me. I was still on the phone, and he was like, I just thought I'd come uh, so we could talk about this, and uh, I was not going to not do that movie. So Guess what? Uh, said, he okay. was right. Oh, absolutely. I want to ask you a question about another story Arnold that I Steve feel Fly, I like. I should say his name. Oh, Mazel. Yeah, Mazel to Arnold. Yeah. I think Tim Busfield once told this story. Maybe it was him. There were so many unbelievable actors in those the Neil Simon trilogy. Yeah. I saw all of them. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Which play was it that you read um, from your journal? Is that Biloxi it's, or it's Brighton, Brighton Be- Beach? Brighton Beach is the okay. one I did with Tim. Do you yeah. know what story I'm talking about? Tim Busfield uh, was... Of was 30-something of fame. Of 30-something fame and a very good director, too, and a great fellow, he was my understudy, as it happened, in uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs. We were very young. We were in um, in San Francisco and uh, at Fisherman's Wharf, like a t- this touristy kind of area, and there was some kind of joke shop, and I bought a little package of of, gar- of candy that was tasted of garlic. It starts out good. I think it was gum or a sucker. And it's hilarious because the person thinks it's really good. And they have it for a while, and then it tastes really bad. And so it's really funny. And um, I gave a piece to Tim, and I was like, it's going to taste funny, but if you stick with it, you know, it's going to, believe me, it's worth it. This is the most delicious thing I've ever had. And I gave it to him, and he really sucked on it, and really, you know, it worked. It looked just like the picture that the that the candy came in, like the guy slapping his forehead and going, garlic, you know, it was awful. And it all worked perfectly, and I was so happy with my joke. A really good prank. My prank, yes. And then uh, that night in the show, I had a very long piece of this. I would read from my journal, and there was one very long, like, you know, single-spaced page thing that I would read. And I had it in my actual journal because I thought, why would I learn that? I should just read it. So I opened to the page to read this little monologue, and it's gone. There's just a piece (laughs) of paper over it. (laughs) And written in very big pencil is garlic, comma, ha, exclamation point. And I'm in the middle of, you know, there's a 1,500 seat theater or something like 1,200. And uh, and I see and I look up and in the by the light behind the orchestra, I can see Tim Busfield with his red hair laughing under the light. And uh, it was horrible. <laughs> that is horrible. I thought of you because you had like a 40 minute monologue in the play that you're doing now. Or close to that. Yeah. And I remembered that 
Marlon Brando, as he got older, used to have... Oh, earpiece? You yes. Mean? Yeah. Is that like a fable or is that a no, real thing? No, that's real. Did you ever witness that when you worked with him? Didn't yeah. Didn't you do the freshman with him? Yes, I did. So did he... It really happened. I think I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, he did have that earpiece at that stage. Did you know it at the time when you were oh, working yeah, with no, him? Oh, yeah. No, he talked about it. He said that he, he preferred it because it was... If you memorize something, that, that to, if he's hearing them, it's like thoughts. <laughs> So, you know, that that's better than memorizing it. Maybe it is better. Well, I, I can see the point. He's listening while you're talking. He's actually listening to his assistant while while I'm speaking. Yeah, and he's sort of hearing his next line because he would say, you know, uh, read the line to me while he's, he's speaking. <laughs> you know, there'll be this terrific pause if you don't give me the line while he's speaking. But he would just say that. Wait, who's he talking to? His assistant. So he has like a little mic. Well, no, she can he's hear got him? a mic so that she can tell when to give him the line. So he would sometimes finish a take and cut, you know, that was good. And he'd be sitting there and he'd say, make sure you send the flower to Nick Mancuso's wife. I, ha- I have to remember that. Bruno was in that with you, right? Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby was one of the funniest, most charming, beautiful oh, was, people. I agree. He, yeah, he was a dear friend of mine. And and is that where you met him yes. on that film? I met him, and he's one of those people you meet, and you're like, "Have we known each other for 25 years? We both grew up in New York, different neighborhoods." And was he a Brooklyn guy? And no, he's around he, where where we're coming from. You know, can we tell people? He, yeah, he was. We're in, in Midtown. Yeah. At Hell's Kitchen. But this isn't live, so don't come right now right. to see Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was on like 54th or something near 10th Avenue. Okay. And I was down in the village, but we were just instantly um, the best buddies. I thought he was the funniest person basically I've ever known. He was also the most compassionate. I was going through a breakup, yeah. and all of a sudden my phone would ring, and he'd be like, Hey, kid, I hear you're feeling oh. down. It was awfully sweet. So you're doing this movie. It was The Freshman. It must have been... Hetty. I feel like Marlon Brando like oh. was always the most famous actor in the world. Like, yeah. Even... No, we, I couldn't. From the time that job came along, I was like, and Marlon Brando is in this? And they were like, yep, come on. Like, we're going to show up and it's not going to be him, right? It's going to, you know, Who would it be? somebody from Law & Order or something. I don't know. <laughs> somebody good. <laughs> yeah, very good. Totally good, but Michael not... Moriarty. You know, Fantastic. Wonderful act. But it, it wouldn't be Marlon Brando, you know? No. Why would it be? Maybe Gregory Peck. Sure. Mm. No, it wouldn't be either. I don't feel like they went in for the <laughs> too, same thing. We read Marlon and Gregory. <laughs> Guys, can you go out for one second? We're just going to talk about it. We have to give it. this a think. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We'll call. Just go home. Yeah. You guys both great, did great. Great job. You're both great. Thank you. Thank you. When you're not acting with Marlon Brando, when there isn't someone else's voice in his head, yeah. What would you talk about? <laughs> Could he have real conversations? Still? Absolutely. Yeah. He was. Um. He was very charming. He was interested in all, he asked a lot of questions. That's nice. And a lot of science he was curious about, you know. Do you know that birds' wings are the most fragile per pound tensile strength? You know, he always had interesting facts. They, you know, a, a glowworm, the wattage of a glowworm is equivalent to whatever. And you remember them to this day. Yeah. And, um, you didn't go to college, did you? No, can you tell? <laughs> 
Because you're making up things right now. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to fill the time of the podcast. Just right? a few more minutes. We're almost done. Really? I haven't got some of the real serious stuff yet. Go ahead. Um, what? Yeah. But anyway, my, uh, <laughs> Bru- he loved Bruno. Oh. He took to Bruno. Everybody liked Bruno. There was a lot that like continued. After he finished that movie, I think he f- shot it in Canada. Some of it in Canada and some in New York, yeah. And Andrew Bergman, Bergman was the director who's yeah, so talented. The greatest. And again, the story I'm going to share, that kid is probably now 83 years old. Teddy. Teddy. I think. I remember he was like one of those kids who are like, you're, I'm intimidated by you because you're seven and you're saying crazy <laughs> smart things. Kid. And literally like he was literally like with a briefcase and like I'm sure he's a CPA. <laughs> and he was like, I like L.A., but New York has a pulse. <laughs> Do you remember that? Not till now, but absolutely. Like, I was like, I'm sorry. Do you like L.A.? But New York has... I think you're right. And yeah. I prefer New York as well. Teddy. <laughs> Just check, check, please. He also did a thing, Teddy. Um, at the end of the film, there was like a dispute about pay or something. And Marlon did an interview where he said how awful the movie was. It was a big thing at the time. He just finished shooting and he did a like front page, the Toronto something. What a stinker, you know? <gasps> And because uh, he threatened that he would, you know, and, and, he, and did he did it. And he did it. He <clears> didn't <throat> really feel that way. He I don't just think wanted so. No, to. no. He took He's it, he took ha- it, yeah, he took it back okay. later, but it's too late to take it back. That's it's not a good print. idea to do at the end of That's a movie. That's not nice. But as young Teddy said, <laughs> when we were in the hotel getting ready to leave, having just been kicked in the stomach, right. all of us. Yeah, because uh, we kind of worked hard on that. Yeah. He said, <laughs> uh, why would Brando do this? <laughs> I always remembered that. Let's go back in time, shall yeah. we? When you were growing up, I mean, your father was a real journeyman as mm-hmm. an actor. I mean, yeah. he worked in the theater. Later in life, he got on to Family, this wonderful show that yeah. he was the patriarch. Did he enjoy being on that show? Well, you know, he he complained a little bit, yeah. <laughs> as we do. You know, yeah. like, it was great. I put my sisters in, through college and, and me if I had gone and... um which was a big change for all of our family. You know, we had been, never had that kind of, you know, comfortable dough. And he got famous from it, you know. Very quickly. Yeah, and he... How um, old was he when he did that show? I think he was about in his late 40s when it started. Um, I mean, he was known anyway. He was known in the theater, but but uh, this was different, you know. Suddenly people in restaurants would... would so that was exciting. Him all the time, yeah. and you got a little sense of what I got a, a little teeny sense, and I, I did not like it. Uh huh. I didn't think of myself that it would ever happen, but I just would be like, I'm, I'm talking to my dad. Well, how do your kids feel? They don't. They're fine. I think I should ask them. There are constantly pictures. You know, you guys are New Yorkers, and you're you're doing it yourselves. You're right. parenting. Yourselves, it looks like well, in the press. Yeah. You, all right, you walk them to school. I can't say what happens before well, and after. <laughs> sometimes the driver has a day off, or the uh, somebody butler. died in their family. <laughs> yeah, we send Butler home for a few hours. Boxing Day. Yes. <laughs> oh, we have. <laughs> I may take you to work with me today. How would that be? Would you like that, <laughs> Rodney? Dress the children. Yes, dress them um, at once. I'm taking them down. Yes, yeah. but there are often pictures of, of you guys walking your kids to school or yeah. like, they're just like us. Yeah. What is that like? You know, it's not quite as bad lately, or for, but it's not as bad, to be honest, it's my wife there. They, what they like is her with the girls and their outfits and all that. But I'll take my son, he's getting too big, but I would walk him to his bus stop and nobody cares at all. 
and I still sometimes get upset with the photographers because it, you know, it's a weird thing. If if we know that they're going to be there when we're with the girls, they're very polite and they actually stay. They keep their distance and they're they're making a living. And sometimes it's fine. You it's know, okay. you just say this is what it is. But one little thing can happen, or somebody gets too close, or or tries to get a picture that you don't know they're there, and I'll and it's a strange thing. Like if I don't, if something I'm getting on my bicycle or yeah. something, and and I look up and I didn't realize there's a guy who's been taking pictures of me retying my shoes the whole time. I will be in a rage. I might not say anything, but I, I the adrenaline goes, and I've you know I I turned to Sean Penn briefly. I feel bad about it, it in a way because yeah. I also understand the paparazzi in a way. They're just making their living, and uh, and I once had an argument with one. Oh, he was following me around, and I tore into him. I said, "Hey." My uh, kid and his mom are about to come out of the house, you know, two-year-old boy. Why don't you go hunt him down? Mm -hmm. Go get the two-year-old, you know? Very nasty, though. And the guy said, you think I liked, <laughs> I liked doing this? I don't like doing this. I'm, I'm sorry if you're upset, but I, I'm a – and then he, tell, he tells me and shows me that he's like a he – he was in Afghanistan taking pictures and all that, and then he's, <sighs> it's getting very hard to make money. Suddenly, like there's a purple heart that he has well, in his pocket. Well, he's like a real right. guy, and he, right. show, you know, and he says, I'm a journalist, you know. I'm just – I do this very rarely, and I don't even – I feel badly anyway, but I wouldn't do anything to your kid. And Suddenly, and you're like, Sarah, like, can you Jesus. come out and take a picture? This I was is like, Tony. Well, let's do a shoot. Let's do a photo shoot then. I'm so sorry. And uh, he oh. said, no, it's all right. I don't want to anyway. Right. He was all depressed. And oh. he slung his enormous camera over I'm his so shoulder and left. So mostly it's okay. And your kids are not freaked out about it. They don't react to it at all. They uh -huh. don't seem to care at all. They Great. just talk as if there's nobody taking their picture. And, and so you do. The, you follow suit. Yes. My... um. Uh, is it okay to say therapist or shrink? It is okay. He said, uh, He said, since they're not trying to hurt you, don't make it, make sure the kids don't feel like they're in danger since they're not, you know, if you act, if you overreact to those right. guys, they'll get scared. He doesn't know anything about it, but he was worried about that, and I thought that was wise. So how long have you been in therapy? Oh, you know. I mean, how long 20, have you seen? 20, 30 years. It's nothing, nothing Is that serious. True? Have you had an ongoing... Uh, on and off. The on same off. person? No, they, they you know, they, they, they pass away is what happens. <laughs> they totally die. When I move on. At first, I'm like, oh, good, you know, I'm free. Then I start to think, well, maybe I'm... I don't feel good. Yeah, I feel funny. <laughs> I need to talk about my problems. This podcast is sort of that for me. <laughs> You and Nathan Lane yeah. work together a lot. Yes, we do. What did. is that? I don't know. We um we just we had a big a big hit success together. You did. And uh, the producers, the producers. Yeah. And, and the film. Yeah. Broadway show and the film. Well, yeah. How did you feel when, when he won the Tony and you and I didn't. didn't? Was that did that suck? <laughs> uh you were really happy for him. Well, you know, I always want to win. But I knew that I was not going to win. He worked harder, he was better, and he won all the awards leading up to that mm -hmm. award. So I I had a bad feeling. Did he, you still go? I was the host of the Tonys with him. Oh, yeah, you did that great opening number. And he um he took me with him to the podium when he got his award. That's so, sweet. And made me stand with him. It was great. He He's he's a great person. And um, a little story on the way before... Who's the one, the Australian, Barry Jeffries, you know, he does wave your gladiola. Dame Edna? 
Yes. Yes. Okay, Dame Edna. So wait, so Nathan wins. He brings you with him yes. onto the podium. Right, right. But before that, what yes. had happened? You said, did I think I was going to win? Yes. <laughs> Dame Edna was presenting uh, Best Actor in a Musical. So I'm backstage because I was a co-host, you know, and Dame Edna is there. All the big, big, tall, you know, her... beautiful dress and big wig and the huge glasses and all that. Yeah, and the little purse. And she has the little envelope with her. She sees me and says, I've had a little peek at this, and I'm afraid you're going to be very disappointed. No. <laughs> and then after the show, <laughs> I was walking into the party, and Barry Jeffries, who, you know, who plays Dame Edna, right. who's a very Strapping, elegant, elegant man, the most beautifully dressed right. British man takes my arm as I'm walking by and says, I think my client may have said something that, that might have offended you. And I said, oh, absolutely not. You know, it was one of the funniest. I, for some reason, it made me, I thought it was so funny. I think that's fantastic. It was about me. Did you ever imagine that you would be so, be successful, so successful? Fantastic. I mean, did you start out wanting to be famous? No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. I didn't even want to be an actor when I was little. And then I, I very... To put a little toe in in school, and like it was more like that. And and then the first play I did, I thought I had that little feeling of I think I'm good at this. I have to admit, were you, you funny as a kid? Too. Your timing has always been impeccable. I was. Some people thought I was funny, and and I um, but I did a little part in high school, and I was like, I think I'm. Hmm. You know, it was a little like. Uh, when Michael Corleone is guarding his father at the hospital and he realizes his hands don't shake. Let's show a clip. <laughs> uh, anyway, I had that little feeling of, wow, as nervous as I am, I'm still able to do this. Maybe I should keep trying it. And I did. And then and I got what I thought was better. And I started thinking, oh, maybe I don't have to go to college if I could just make this somehow work. So I'll go to acting school for a year and at least I can have a year where I don't have to go to more the schools. School. Yeah, and the schools that they were discussing with me were schools that I had didn't had never heard of. Like what? My grade point average was not high. Were so they in America? They were like, you know, <laughs> school where you learn to, you know, put... put Knit? Yeah, or, you know, put the finishing touch on a Technical, on we chrome. call them technical schools, yeah, which we, actually are fantastic, but not what you wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So I I was just trying to escape that and unable to decide what I wanted to do for a living, so I just kept acting. I always thought if it works out, I'll I'll keep at it, but if it doesn't, I'm not going to be one of these guys who's, you know, hanging around, hanging around forever. I don't yeah. want to do that. And it didn't happen instantly, like it may sound to be. It didn't? No, it really didn't. Where was the pause? I came here to talk about me. I'm sorry to talk about myself. You're talking about yourself so much. I know. It feels like that. Ridiculous. Well, as the listeners may not know, we're friends, or yeah. at least, you know, a long time. We, you know, so it feels like we're just having a conversation and I'm talking about myself too yeah. much. I just want to put that okay. out there. But I promise listeners that when we're done, he, he'll it, leave. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I will. Now I don't remember what I was saying. I think you were saying that it didn't happen as quickly oh, as it seems well, in the yeah, in the narrative that, yeah, that people. It is might quick. Think. It is quick, but it didn't. It doesn't feel quick when you're in. You know, I I I um I auditioned for a year or so and got nothing, and then I got a I got cast as a, a lead in a movie, big movie, uh, directed by Martin Ritt and Sally Field was. I was starring opposite Sally Field, like a romance. Amazing. Yeah. And I had never... You were going to be in love with Sally Field? Yes. Okay. And I had never had a job. Never. And I'm the lead. I've auditioned eight times. 
And they're like, yeah, I just overheard Sally Field say, yeah, he's, he's, he's perfect. He trips all over himself. <clears throat> I was like, thanks. But anyway, they, they did cast me. And then we started shooting and it started out okay. But then I, you know, the director was often kind of a little annoyed with me. Uh, you know, he didn't think I was, and I saw that something was going on with, I didn't know what was happening, but the atmosphere was bad. And then he was older and getting, and doctors were coming and taking his blood pressure all the time. And, and I showed up to shoot one day in Central Park you have to realize I was like I'm a now I'm a big movie star from nothing. Like, right, it's unquestionable. I right. have the Academy Award. Sally Field is Sally. She Field. just had won the Oscar. So had he. So the then director. you will. So I will. I'm next. Yes, Here it is. That's perfect. So I go to Central Park where we're shooting, and I wait, and they nobody's knocking for a long time. <laughs> they say it's, it's a little hot de- in your little. It's a little delay, you know, whatever. And I play catch with some some crew guy, and hours and hours go by, and they're like, you know what? Uh, we're going to wrap, head home, whatever. And then the next day they're like, Marty's not feeling great. We'll just take a little day off. And then my agent called me a few days later and said, uh, go grab a beer or something like that. I said, said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, it's over. He said, just like that. It's over. It's over. I think it was more like that. It's over. Uh, Steve Carlson. And, um, it was indeed over. So Literally. I went from the Academy Award. Yes, I'd like to thank. Yeah. to You kill directors. Yeah. Suddenly nothing. So well, that was very, doesn't sound, I know I'm whining over nothing, but it was a very hard come down. It really was. And, yeah. it, and that, that went on about a year. And then you got maybe just a few months. <laughs> I feel like that was a week. Yeah, that was like a week, and right. that was fifty but years that ago. That week, I thought maybe my career was right. over. But since then, since, since that then, little hiccup, great. have you ever not had a job? Yeah, I don't have a job in two weeks. You've never done a TV show before, have you? No, I tried. Yeah, you did twice. Yeah, uh-huh. like yeah. a pilot, like it mm-hmm. actually went, and they didn't pick it up. They didn't even show it I mean it, wow I that... didn't know that was yeah wow so I did a pilot and I was like, <laughs> it's like it never happened hmm. okay moving on but money was spent I, yes, I saw and you it. got paid well yeah well I think that we'd be lucky if you did a TV show and it got picked you up would. and we got to see you every I week I can say that you would be I would be very so lucky, lucky. <laughs> uh, I think America would yeah. consider it no the world lucky. do you still get nervous ever yes literally when is the last time you auditioned or read for somebody um a long time but I have done it since I was already a known you person have. yeah definitely and I would you know sometimes I miss that because if somebody, if you read and they like you, you've already all you really agreed start. that it's that you feel the same way about it. Whereas when you're just hired, sometimes you just show up and you think, does he like this? Does she like this? You know, is this what they wanted? Are they disappointed? But the fact that you kind of just go in what seems like a sort of very fluid way back and forth between stage and film has really been a remarkable thing to watch. I'm very proud of you for oh, that. You. It's scary to do a play. That first time in front of an audience with a new play or, or uh, first paying on it, uh, these moments that happen in it that are absolutely terrifying. They're very exciting. How do you get yourself to walk across the threshold from backstage uh, to onstage? If I think stage? about it, I, don't, I couldn't. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, I just couldn't. But I, you know, if you've done all your homework... Which I never quite have. Right. 
which I'm starting to think is maybe slightly intentional. Like I must sort of like. That's your genius. Yes, that's might be my. That's just part of my genius. Yes, I think. there's so many, many aspects, other facets of yes, it. Yes, of course. It's like a, a diamond. But I, yeah, I, I think that feeling. You know, and also, no matter how much you prepare, you're not going to really feel prepared. Right. And uh, Sandy Meisner, who you brought up earlier, yes. my parents said that he said, you know, you do all this preparation in a play and. You know, who, who am I? Where, where have I been? All Whatever, you know, what am I doing? All these things. Yeah. But he said when the performance happens, before you come in, throw all of it away. Mm. You know, like you can't be thinking about any of that. You have to really be willing to just throw it out and open the door. So I think of that. What I think about yeah. is the truly the most humiliating thing that ever happened to me is I was dating someone and his mom had been like a, a real theater person. Um, I think she, you know, was quite successful in, in the group theater back uh -huh. in the day and had screen tested, you know, against Vivian Lee for Scarlett O'Hara. There was wow. this whole aura around yes. her and she was a real New York City society woman. And uh, she was coming to see me in my, you know. She was coming? She was coming okay. with my boyfriend at the time oh who was God, a director. That very scary. All of already. it to come see me in a play. And, and literally it was just all I could do to get through it. And afterwards, we went to the West Bank Cafe, yeah. which uh, still exists and I love, and we're sitting at the table, and I uh, remember my boyfriend saying, Mom, what? Tell Alana. Oh what, what did you think? And I remember her looking at me over her, you know, very dry martini and saying, when you walked on stage, I did not know where you had just come from. And when you walked off, I had no idea where you were going. Oh, God. And that's really... In a nutshell, <laughs> what I thought. Really? <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, my God. That's what she said. It the, can't get worse than can't that. can't get worse than that. I've you had know. my share of pretty massive failures. I think people would be thrilled to know that. Well, <laughs> It makes them feel less alone. I want to thank you so much for being here. You are thank uh, you. Uh, just so wonderful to talk to, and I, I hope you'll come back. Oh, yeah, that was fun. everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Thanks for listening. <laughs>